0: Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the pastor of Church of the King. And I'm so pumped up that you're hanging out with us with our podcast today. I pray that God really speaks to you and that you're encouraged and inspired to live your life with everything you have for him. Hey, I wanna encourage you to check us out over at cotk.org. You can go there and learn all kinds of things about us and when our service times are. And speaking of our service times, I would love to invite you so that I could actually meet you personally on one of our weekend services. I promise you your kids will love it. You'll have a great time and you'll have a blast. I pray today that God speaks to you through this word. God bless you. Welcome. There you guys there I am. How's everyone doing this morning? Are you guys doing okay? Give me a thumbs up if you're doing great. Give me a thumbs down if it's not, not so great, and give me a sideways if it's so-so. So, okay, all right, so we got some good. Everybody's doing well in here today. Have y'all figured out, uh, it's our second week, if it's your first week here, our second week in our new facility here, have y'all figured out where you're going to sit yet? Are y'all still figuring it out, you know? Uh, you know how it is when you come, you feel like if you've been sitting over here your whole life and then you move over here, it's like you came to a new church, you know? So if you ever get offended and you're like, I'm going to a new church, just move seats and we'll be good, all right? That's, that's, that's the plan moving forward. So I'm just playing, I'm just playing, <laughs> not really, but I am playing some. So welcome to a new series, man. Uh, we're excited about the unexpected. What do we do with the unexpected? Before I go there, I got a couple things I need to share. First, on the back of your seat, you'll see a QR code. That QR code is your one-stop shop to everything. If you need a prayer request, if you're a first-time guest here, we'd love to get your information. You can just scan that there. Also, any events that are coming up, any events whatsoever, you can uh, go ahead and sign up um, by, by that QR code there and know everything that's going on. And also, if you want to give, most, people, most of our people in our church give online. And so I'd love for you to be able to do that. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. It is the end of the year, so a lot of people do a lot of year-end giving at this uh, point. So you're welcome to do that by scanning. If you're a little old school and you like to write a check, don't give away the best part of the whole thing. So anyway, uh, if if you're a little old school on the way out, we have a couple uh, offering boxes on the way out. you can do that uh, as as well. Hey, can we celebrate for a second? Y'all mind if we celebrate for a moment? All right, all right, ten of you. All right, for the rest of you, we're gonna celebrate anyway, okay? So, so first off, we had such an amazing week. It's our first week. Last week we had two just packed out services, and um, and uh, man, a lot of people even on a rainy day. But uh, two packed out services, and here's the awesome part: we had 30 people for the first time give their hearts to Jesus, and now they're going to heaven from last Sunday. That night, we had 20 new people join our church, and so we're excited to have new people uh, joining the family. Uh, if you're wondering, how do I, how do I get in? Because sometimes you get to church, and you're like, this is awesome, but like how do I get in? We have something simple called our next steps. The first Sunday of every month, we do our first step, and the second Sunday of every month, we do our second step. step. So after service today, we're doing our dream team uh, step. The first one is we do our membership uh, class, and it's just a great, great, great time, great group of people that God's... Uh, Brought to us on Wednesday, we had our first youth service in here. Had a had a all right here. Had 172 people here, total. Um, And so I I I said like I thought we had 162 and 65, and I was corrected by I was corrected with 172. And so I'm like, Amen. All right, Amen. All right, correct me in Jesus' name. 40 teenagers gave their hearts to Jesus for the first time. Isn't that awesome? Wow. We had our Joy Ladies event on Thursday night. Pastor, y'all crazy? Yes. What'd you do yesterday? Nothing. That's what I did yesterday, okay? So we did a lot of stuff. We had over 250 people here with our ladies and some of our volunteers. We've had over 1,000 people in our building over the last week, uh, just glorifying Jesus, worshiping the Lord, and just excited, and it's just the beginning. Amen? Amen. Of all God is going to do. Awesome. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to go there in, in just a moment. Um, so, oh, I, I forgot to do the jingle, baby. I, right when the video came up, I was supposed to sing a jingle for y'all. Y'all aren't interested in my own personalized 2020 jingle, are y'all? Y'all interested? Okay. All right. If you're not, it's okay. It's okay. So, it, 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 and it's, it doesn't rhyme. So, But I'm, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. It's the most... Unexpected Christmas of our lives. There'll be no jingle belling because masks you are wearing all of the time. It's the most unexpected Christmas of all time. There'll be no parties hosting, vaccines will be debating, and no one will come near your house. It's the craziest, most unexpected, wild time of the year. My single will be out at the end of the day. I'll see y'all later. No, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> Man, what a crazy, unexpected year, huh? Yeah. I mean, all kinds of craziness going on. I, I, I wonder what everyone's New Year's resolution was at the beginning of 2020. I'm curious what every company's goals were by the end of 2020. Uh, at the beginning of 2020, I wonder all that, and by the time we got just a little bit ways into 2020, we're like, man, I'm just trying to make it through 2020. And so many of us, it has been the most unexpected, crazy time, craziest year of of my life, easy. And by most of us, I would imagine the same way. So I wanted to talk to you about in this time and in this Christmas season that we're talking about, uh, what do we do with the unexpected? What do you do when you have an expectation, and it's not met, and now you're met with the unexpected? I got a question just, okay, class, here's class particip- participation. How many of you, uh, you like to plan things out, and when things don't go according to your plan, it throws you off and gets you frustrated? Anybody getting frustrated? When you're... How many of you are kind of spontaneous, and so curveball's coming your way, it doesn't bother you a whole lot, okay? All right, a little bit more of than the first service, you know, I can already tell it's probably because the planners come to the first service because they were planning the night before to make sure they get here on time for 930, you know, for all my curveball, they were probably like, hey, we're getting ready for 930, forget it, we'll go to 1115, okay, that's just the way it's going to it's gonna happen. And so I, I got what I, I see what I got going on here, okay. But you have an expectation maybe of a family night and you have this vision in your mind, we're going to go home, we're going to eat this meal, we're going to watch this Christmas movie, it's going to be great. And then when you get ready to have your family time, then all of a sudden you find out somebody has a project due, or you have to go drop off somebody somewhere, and it just wrecks all your plans, and it's frustrating, frustrating. You ever something like that happen? Maybe you're a student here, and you have expectation. I'm going to do this with school and all that, and I'm going to apply for college, and then Texas A&M is going to accept me, or UT is going to accept me, Baylor is going to accept, Rice is, the University of Houston is going to accept, LSU is going to accept me. That's what's going to happen. I do it every week, y'all. I got to stop in Jesus' name. I got to let that behind. I got to let that go. So anyway, point point B, and and then you do all this work, and you find out the only place that accepts you is William Mary's College of uh, Technical Basket Weaving, and that's about all you got. Didn't quite measure up to your expectations that are going on. We can all fall into those categories. So so when I think of stories of of when you get thrown off and the unexpected comes your way, I start thinking about my, my son, okay? So they, they snuck in the little video there, and I'll show you in just a second. When my son was, was smaller and, and younger, he, he was, he's just like, this is the plan, don't throw off. I'm, I'm talking four or five years old, like in a booster seat. I would say, hey, son, I, got, I need to go on some errands. And, and, he, and this was Trent. This was so him when he was younger. <sighs> what do we have to do, Dad? Okay, son, and I would have to explain everything in detail that we were doing. Son, I got to go by the bank, then I got to get gas, then we're going to swing by Best Buy, and then we're going to come home. I'm not joking, so you're telling me, Dad, we're going to go to the bank. Then we're going to get gas, then we're going by Best Buy, then we're coming home, correct? Yes, son, that's what we're going to do. And so it's probably when he, was, when he was younger, this happened a lot. For you guys that don't know my son, he's actually on the front, he's 18 years old right now, but I found an old video of him when he was a little bit small. Around this age is when this kind of stuff would happen. You guys go ahead and play that now. show your buddy. Okay, pause it right there. Put it back on there and pause, Just pause it there. We'll leave it right there for a few minutes while I share the story. So, so he's 18 years old and he's strong now. He picked me up yesterday, like to break my back when he did. So, <laughs> but he would he would do that all the time. And so, I, and this would happen all. The, I would get in the car and we would go to the go to the bank and and he would ask me after every single thing. So, Dad, we left the bank. So now we're going to the gas station, going to my Best Buy and going home, right? Yes, son go get gas. When we're done with gas, I'm serious. Now we're just going to Best Buy, right, Dad? And this would happen all the time. This part would happen all the time. Then my wife would call me, ah, I forgot to get milk from the grocery store. Do you mind stopping real quick and grabbing grabbing milk? And I'm like, yeah, no problem whatsoever. And I remember this one time in particular. As I'm saying, eh, no problem, I'll get the milk. I'm looking in my rearview mirror and Trent's back there, And then I hang up the phone, and he's like, where are we going, Dad? You promised we were going to these three places, and that's the only place we were going. Now we got to get milk. The whole day's ruined. <laughs> Five. I don't know what he's doing all day long. But do you know that I, I joke around about it, but I'm not much different. Like, I actually, I'm a pretty spontaneous guy, and so when curveballs come my way, you know, being a pastor, you get, you get used to curveballs, and I actually enjoy it. And I love it, and, and, and I don't mind. Be, here's one cool thing about, uh, about being a pastor. There's many cool things. One is you never have the same week. You know, it's always something different that's going on all the time. And so, but do you know, when I get home, not when all of the stuff's and I get home, I like predictability when I get home. When I get in my house, I'm like, okay, I want to know what's happening tonight, who needs what, and where am I in the middle of this whole thing? Because I want to know the exact expectations that are going on. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get home, we're going to eat, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to watch a football game. And all of a sudden, I get home and say, Dad, I got a project. Can you bring me somewhere? Hey, Dad, I'm babysitting. Hey, Dad, I'm this. Hey, Dad, I'm Dad, this. And I'm like, because like, <sighs> I had an expectation, and now it's been knocked out, and my plans are all over. I don't like it. I don't like that expectation. So, But I have a thought I want to throw at us, because... Our whole life, we're always getting hit with the unexpected, things we didn't, we didn't plan on. And over the next two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the unexpected with the Christmas story. Today, we're going to talk about Joseph and what we can learn from the unexpected with him, but then we're going to talk about Mary next week. And to just give you a little bit of where we're heading from there, next week is the 20th, December 20th, and then the 24th, we will have our Christmas Eve services, Right now, we had scheduled because we kind of didn't know what to expect, uh, 3.30 and 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, okay? Christmas Eve services. Uh, We're going to keep an eye on things, and we may have to add another service. It's looking pretty much like we're going to probably have to add another one um, for it as well, but for sure, 3.30 and 5 are Christmas Eve services. Now, one thing that we do kind of as a tradition here is the Sunday after Christmas, we don't have service. So, uh, I believe. Christmas Eve is on a Thursday, so just a couple days later will be Sunday. So that Christmas Eve will be our weekend service. We'll miss that Sunday, give our dream team, our staff that Sunday off, and then the next Sunday we'll pick it right back up in January and get excited for a 2021. I'm excited about having Christmas Eve in our own place, y'all. Isn't that exciting, man? Look, for, for years we've had to use electric candles because the school would not let us have real candles. We can have real candles, praise God. But if you drop it, we'll never have real candles again, all right? <laughs> just, just, okay, all right, moving, moving right along. I want to throw, you at, throw something at you today. There's something about the unexpected. And here's a thought that maybe you've never thought about before, but have you ever thought to yourself that the unexpected, the things that weren't planned, have you ever thought that maybe God trusts you with the unexpected? Have you ever thought that maybe God is building the character inside of you, that whatever may come your way, that you don't immediately push it off, but you see it through the eyes of maybe God wants to do something with this. What do we do with the unexpected that God sends? Now, there are some unexpected God does not send, the difficulties in life and challenges, but have you ever had the thought, thought that even during the difficulty that God trusts you enough, that you'll walk through it with His power? Have you ever had that thought before? When we think of most of Jesus' miracles, most of the miracles happened during the unexpected. The plan was we're going from here to here. Jesus is on the way. Someone interrupts the plan, stops the plan. And in the middle of it, that interruption, that unexpected is where some of the greatest miracles we've ever seen happen. All throughout Scripture, we see men and women who were called by God. They had a moment that they had a plan. Moses had a plan on what he was going to do. Abraham knew what he was doing, and then all of a sudden, boom, the unexpected hit, and God used that to change the destiny of their life and all of us that we're learning even today, the unexpected. I'd like to submit this the simple thought to you that the reason the unexpected has come to your doorstep is not because you did something wrong, but because God knows he can trust you with that unexpected. When something unexpected happens, we almost always immediately go to it. What did I do wrong? Well, what happened? Well, what did I do to deserve this? And we almost see God as this God that he's punishing us for everything that we're doing wrong. I want to flip that around and say, no, maybe God trusts that you're going to steward that thing very well that he puts in, front in your hands. And that's why he gave it to you to begin with. The title of my message is simply this. It's Trusted with the Unexpected trusted with the unexpected. Now, let's read the Christmas part of the Christmas story. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to the son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to drill down into the story of Joseph and see how Joseph handled the unexpected. And, and what we're looking to do today is I'm looking to draw principles from this story in Scripture, from, from this historical what happened, on how we can prepare ourselves and how we can have an attitude in our heart that can be trusted and handled the curveballs that come to us in life, the things that come that we weren't expecting in life the years like we've had this year, how do we navigate a path forward in a time of so much uncertainty? And how do we handle the unexpected? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Joseph and now we're going to go a little deep, okay? I'm going to give you some context, some historical context that maybe you didn't even, you've didn't, you never thought about or you didn't know. So you're going to learn something about Joseph today, okay? Then after we dig down a little bit in it, then we're going to walk through the story and I'm going to take some principles out of the story of how do we know what kind of person does God trust with the unexpected? And that's what we'll do. So let me start by Joseph. Now, we learn in Scripture about Joseph that, obviously, that Joseph was a carpenter. We know this in Scripture. It says in Matthew 13, that isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Now, here's something that maybe you never, you never knew or never thought of. The word carpenter is critically important. Now, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so now what they had to do is they had to take it and interpret certain words that was written in these documents so that it would make sense to us in English. And so some words translate easily, while other other words, we don't have the full meaning behind it. That's critical because when they say, this is the, isn't this the carpenter's son, the word carpenter to us means, it just means maybe you know, just uh, someone that works with wood. And, and many of us have a mindset that Joseph was just this poor little carpenter. And there's two reasons why we think that. We think that, one, because we just think, okay, well, well he's a carpenter and during those times it was poor carpenter. And we also think because he was in a manger, because Jesus was born in a manger that he didn't have, didn't do well. But that's not necessarily true because when Caesar Augustus made everyone go back to their hometown to make to have a census what happened is the place was full. And so the Bible didn't say that the Bible didn't say he stayed in a manger cuz he didn't have the money. He was in the manger cuz there was nowhere for him to go. The inn was full. And so many times we think that he he wasn't doing very well, but the word carpenter in the Greek actually is this word tekton. Tekton, which is where we get the word technology from. So Joseph was in technology. Now, technology back then <laughs> technology right now is two different types of technology. But when they talked about technology back then, it was being able to do exquisite work with furniture, with stone work, with, with different things that they would build. And there's also something else critically important. Now, Jesus, we, we know his hometown was in Nazareth, and that was close to this city called Sepphoris. Now, this, now this is, I'm all going somewhere with this, okay? So now, Joseph is in technology. He, he's working with ex, ex, exquisite like stone work and furniture and all of that. And he lived about an hour away from this place called Sepphoris. Now, Sepphoris was this highfalutin place. This is where Herod Antipas, he was very committed. He wanted this to be, he actually called it this. He called it the Ornament of Galilee he was determined to make it the place. And during certain times, of, in certain times in history, it was considered a very wealthy place. At one point in time, it was actually the banking capital of the Middle East. Now, it was not uncommon for people that couldn't live there, they would travel back and forth, so they would commute. And so Joseph would commute. It was, up, it was about a mile away, and he would commute, and Jesus would often be, to be believed that he went with him as well. Matter of fact, I got a picture of a modern-day Sephora what it looks like about now. So if you just look at the ground itself and you just look at the roads itself, it was, just, it was done with such great, great, great detail. So here's Joseph, okay? He's working in technology, going back and forth, commuting to a place like this so that we get a context that when, as we move into understanding what kind of man this guy is. We start one. what is it on the inside of him? Why Joseph? Why would God pick a lowly carpenter? Well, maybe he wasn't a lowly carpenter. Maybe he had shown himself faithful and really good and detailed with a lot of things, and so he could be trusted with the son of God. This is important stuff to know together. Why? Because sometimes it's not until you know the full context of something or someone's story till you can understand what they're trying to tell you. Side note let us always be careful that we don't judge people without first hearing what they're all about. Every person in your life, do you know they are the way they are because of an accumulation of their experiences in the way they were raised? And until you know how they were raised and you get to know a little bit of their story, it's easy to judge them, well, why are they like this? Why are they like that? Why are they so defeated in their mindset? Why are they doing this? Why are people here? Why are some people there? And it all can be tied up. in. let's be careful. This past week, whenever we had our 101, our our first step in our membership, one of my favorite things, literally, I think my favorite thing to do, my favorite thing to do is to sit down with couples and just hear their story. And so it probably won't be long before I'm asking you, hey, man, I'd like to, I, I want to know where you come from. I want to know your context. I want to know how you got to where you are. And everybody has a story. And I was talking to one, one gentleman. I, I saw him in here just a second ago. And, and I, was, I was telling him how this is my favorite thing. And he started saying, it's my favorite thing as well. And, and then he, he said something. And then right after, we, we started to talk. And within a moment, we, we, we turned it. And he, he said, you know, I love hearing people's story, even if it's a mundane story. And then we we both just started talking for a second. Then he said, and we both kind of within just a moment said, you know what? I don't think there's any mundane stories. There's no mundane story. When I start looking around at the different people, every single one of you got a story. You got a story. And there's something that brought you here. There's a reason you're at 1507 Katie Fuellen Road, 1115 service. Something got you here. You may look back and think, how in the world I got here? I started off over here and, and all this happened and now I'm here in this moment. We all have this, this context. So it's important for us to know the context so we know what we're looking at and we can draw from. So, so just what can we draw from the life of Joseph? What kind of person does God trust with the unexpected? If God trusted Joseph with his son, then what can we learn from him that he could trust with us? First thing that we see about Joseph is he was an honorable person. He was an honorable man. Matthew 1.19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph could have very easily, at any moment in time, said, what? Wait, what'd you say? You're pregnant by who? The Holy Spirit? Yeah, try that again. You know, think of the moment that he's in. He could have easily just played the victim and said, She's crazy. And I'm not, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm just, I'm just done, I'm out. And during those times, if you were divorced and you were having a child that wasn't for your husband, you were the outcast of the outcast. Okay, that, that's that's how it rolled back then. But in the middle of all that, where he was most, where she was most vulnerable, Joseph chose to be honorable because he wanted to treat her with the respect. In the dignity that she, that she was. Let us always be people that treat people with dignity, no matter where they're coming from. I've often told my kids this let's make sure we respect people, not always because they're respectable, but because we're respectable. Now, when I drive through, it might be a 15 year old on the other side of McDonald's and be respectful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I love it when I'm talking to some of y'all and somebody's kid is talking to me and they say, no, 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 call him sir. Call him sir. It's something about being respectful. It still matters being respectful and being honorable in our culture, in our society today. There's something about it that, that, that's still powerful to this day. How do you treat other people? And I think one of the true tests of someone's character of whether they walk in a sense of honor is what do you do, how do you treat people who can't do anything for you? How do you treat people when they can't do anything, they can't add, they cannot, they cannot help you with your career, they can do, how do you treat them in that moment? That's why as a church, we'll always be an honorable church. I don't get up here and say, oh, stupid church down the street. We don't do stuff like that. Why? Because we're on the same team. And we would always want to be in a position of honor because you reap what you sow. And if you sow dishonor, you will reap that in your life. You sow respect in your life, you will reap that. Employees in here, you wanting to work your way up, you work hard, you be respectful, you you strive, you reap what you sow. When I was a youth pastor for years, there were times and decisions that were made by my senior pastor and leadership, and I didn't understand it, but I remember thinking in my mind, my my youth pastor taught me years and years, said one day I might be in that position, and when I am in that position, my employees and the people that work with me, they're gonna respond to me the way I responded to them. Let me make sure that I am respectful. The true test is how do we treat people who can do nothing for us? Some of the times I've been most impressed is when someone helped me and I could do nothing for them. I was a part of Katrina. And I remember that time that we we had money, but you couldn't get to it just because everything was was down. And the people who just poured out and and, and gave and loved. remember Harvey, man, the money that came through our church. Our church was just a couple hundred people Uh, at at the time, you know, gave over $100,000 away towards Harvey. That was a lot for a church our size at that time because people that just gave and gave and gave, we were helping people, not knowing if there'd ever be any return. That wasn't the point, the point people needed something and we were willing to to be there. And this is one thing that I've learned, that God will always make sure he puts people in front of you that can't do anything for you to see how you treat them. He will. And it's called a test. And you may help someone and they can't do anything for you and no one saw it except heaven. And you know what happens in those moments? Hey, if I see how they handle the least of these, what happens when I give them more? And I give them more. And I give them more. And that's a principle you'll see throughout all of this is be faithful with the few and God will give you more. My old environments team from Beckendorf Junior High, we were faithful with that pipe and drape. Come on, somebody say amen. And he gave us a sliding wall. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Been faithful with the little things, and he gives us the more, it was honorable. The second thing we see about about Joseph, something in his character that was built in his character that made God trust, say, hey, I can throw the unexpected, I can throw things, and they're gonna handle it in a way that honors me, is obedient. He was obedient. Matthew 1, after Joseph, he could have sent her away, but he didn't. The angel Lord came and spoke to him, said, no, this, this is my doing. And it says in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I love how it says Joseph woke up and he did it. As soon as he got up, he did what God said. And I just can't help but have Francis Robinson, my mom, just echoing in my brain, you know how your parents told you something, and you're like, I hate that. Quit saying that. I will never tell my children that. And then you tell all your children that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And she say this, delay obedience is disobedience, Jason. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And I just hear that screaming there, Joseph didn't delay. He, ob- he obeyed immediately, and he obeyed exactly what he told him to, to do. Many times, I think we're thinking, hey, I want to, I need to sacrifice for God, and it's not sacrificing, it's just obeying what he says. Our time, our talent, our treasure, just obey. Just obey what he says. And when we obey the little things that he tells us to do, he gives us more. Many of us, we think of obedience as something, a big question, like, hey, should I change a career? Should I do that? And we sense maybe God saying, hey, move here, support this ministry, whatever it may be. But do you know, we'll never be faithful with the big questions of obedience until we're faithful with the small nudges of obedience. I love the small nudges. I'm going to help you, okay? I'm a pastor, so I'm going to help you kind of understand this. In the next 24 hours, you're going to feel a nudge. That nudge may be, well, we're going to lunch. Let's you know, let's invite this person that we normally wouldn't invite. Let's, let's invite them. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask this person to go grab coffee with her. You know, I'm just going to do this, do that. There's little nudges that you feel. L- let me tell you something that is real big in our church, real big to me. And I say this, do not withhold your encouragement. Do not withhold your exhorting and encouraging. Re- always remember this, encouragement is like oxygen to your soul, to someone's soul. There's something about when somebody says, man, you did great at that. You know what typically happens? This is what typically happens. Typically happens is something like in service here or, or something's happening. You see somebody do something real well and you say, man, they did that really well. And then you go about your business. I want you, and I'm gonna challenge all of us to go the extra step and go tell that person and encourage them. You never know what they're walking through and what they need. I did this last service, so I'm gonna do it again. For this service, and it wasn't planned, is, is I want to encourage Alyssa. Alyssa, for you guys, wave Alyssa. That's Alyssa right there. Wave, wave Alyssa. You act like you shy. You were just standing here singing to all of us. All right. All right. Alyssa. So Alyssa was singing right here. Look, I, most of you guys, if you've only been here two weeks, that our primary worship leader hadn't been to be here because she's been ill. And so she should be back hopefully by next week. And so, I mean, like, we found out, like, right before we're launching. Then all of a sudden, Here's this moment. We're moving brand new, building all of that, and we need Alyssa to step up and start singing for us. Alyssa if you don't, is 18 years old. 18 years old, jumped up here and started leading. said, so, Alyssa, you've led us so well this week. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for us. Yeah, yeah. And y'all don't know this. So she leads, leads on Sunday. On Wednesday night, she's jumping, comes down, twists her ankle, really badly. Honestly, she was, she was gotten crutches over here, wobbled up here, and then led worship for us. That's what she did for joy and for this one as well. 18 years old and was willing to do all that. Some of us were like, man, I got a hangnail. I can't go to church. <laughs> Maybe get the peroxide. You know, this girl over here can't even walk, and she's leading us in worship. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. So the, she, she may kill me. She may kill me for doing this, but um, the building's beautiful, isn't it? Aren't the colors beautiful? Isn't all the furniture beautiful and all that? And people come up to me and they're like, "Pastor, it's beautiful," and I'm like, "Thank you. I didn't do any of it. I don't know how to do this stuff." And I love how you like people were. People were. They were like uh, giving me kudos for my outfit that it matched the furniture last week. Yes, that was planned. Absolutely. So. I didn't get to give her kudos. Macy was here last service, but Sarah Head, right here, right in front of me, right there, she's the one who picked out all these colors, all this furniture. Sarah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. More people are going to be discipled, prayed for on all this stuff in the beautiful environment, and you, you helped do that. Thank you. Thank you. You and Vim, just critical, critical for this whole thing. So just so grateful. So great. You know what I just did? I told the truth. I didn't lie about it. Hey, you're great. Not really. Lord, forgive me. I didn't do that. But just built their spirits up. Do you think Alyssa wants to lead worship less or more now? More. You encourage more people into what you want to see them do than you criticize them into what you want to see them doing. When you criticize and criticize and beat down, they stay down. But you encourage. When my wife says, babe, you did that great, I'm like... I'll do that again. (laughs) Let's not withhold our encouragement. Be obedient to the little nudges. You never know what little nudge for you would be a game changer for that person. You never know. Third thing that we see that he does, he was willing to do whatever it took. In Matthew 2, 13 and 14, he said, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and the mother, and during the night, and left for Egypt. Now, we usually just keep reading after that. Do you have any idea how big of a deal it was for them to go to Egypt? They were now leaving their family, leaving everything they know, and they went to a pagan land, dealing with pagan people, different everything. Can you imagine the times that Mary was like, Man, I really just wish I was with my family, but they can't be. They can't be because he had to do, and Joseph was willing to do whatever it took to protect the promise of God, to protect the promise that would save all of us. That's what he did. He was willing to do what it takes. I love make it happen people. You know, make it happen people. They just figure it out make it happen. I love it. I, I tell our staff this. I've said, unless it's illegal, immoral, or unbiblical, get it done. Right. Pastor, I'm not really sure. Is it illegal? No. Is it immoral? No. Is it unbiblical? No. Figure it out. Get it done. Let's get it. Let's be make it happen people. And so I remember this uh, this one story when I was a, student pastor, and I had this guy on staff. His name was Pastor Marco. Pastor Marco, and Pastor Marco was a make it happen person. And I remember this one time when we got youth service, and we're in youth service, and just like we had worship going on, and we're worshiping, and I realized I left my notes in our little office, the green room area in the back. I said, I said, hey, Pastor Marco, I left my notes, and I got to get up there in like 10 minutes, man. Can you go grab it for me real quick? I said, sure. So he goes in the back, and we're just, and we're worshiping, and all of a sudden, you hear, Boom. And then we just kind of, you know, kept worshiping. I mean, I mean, you know church etiquette, like everybody sees what the problem is, but nobody acts like they sees what the problem is. They're like, oh, praise God, the Lord Jesus. And you know you know how we do. It's like a church one-on-one etiquette that we don't understand where it's just like, that means stop. You're distracting me. That's what that means, okay? But we're just, we just act like it's not there, you know? Like that light right there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, you know? I'm like, turn off the light! You know, I mean, you know, you know how it is. And so we're acting like nothing happened. He comes back around, preached a message, everything's good. I go in the back. He had kicked the door down. It pulled off all the framing. Some of the sheetrock was ripped off. And I was like, Marco, what happened? He goes, you needed your notes, and I didn't have my key. And you said, make it happen unless it's illegal, immoral, <laughs> unbiblical, make it happen. And I'm like, it's none of that. But that's going to cost us some money, man of God, because you decided to kick that door down, you know. But I love it because he made it happen, you know. He, he was a make it happen person, and, and I love it. I, wa- I hope that we're a church, that whatever God throws our way, he knows we're going to be make it happen people that we're going to be people that, God, whatever you call us to do, we're going to figure it out, and no matter what's going on, we're going to pivot here, figure it out there. We have figured out how in the world do you navigate forward as a church in the middle of what we've walked through throughout 2020. I'll tell you why, because God put a bunch of make-it-happen people in this church. Put a bunch of make-it-happen people and said, I'm going to, we're going to figure it out. Let us be a church that the, this is always our posture. God, the answer is yes. Bring on the question. Bring on the question. We want to see this world change for Christ. We want to see our region, people come to Christ and know him. We want to see our kids grow up and be everything they're called to be. We're going to make it happen. What do we got to do to see that happen? We're going to keep reaching people and building people and building lives. We're going to be make it happen people. God, let us be the people that will do whatever it takes to protect and move forward your promise. And the final one is this is consistent. What, what some things we draw from Joseph we can draw that that he's been obedient. We can draw that he's honorable. Willing to do what it takes and finally that is consistent. Joseph was consistent with his integrity, consistent with his character, consistent with that. See, we just did it. Church 101. Y'all y'all all watching them up there but acting like you're listening to me just now. <laughs> We just did it, you know? Y'all did so good. What did I just say? I said, well, we gotta be what? Okay, good. Some of y'all heard it. All right, good. Uh, Luke 2. When Jesus was a little older, it says here that every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival. When? Every year. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Custom. He was consistent. It's important that we're consistent. We're consistent with the call of God. We're consistent with being obedient. I've learned over the years, I've been in ministry about right around 25 years now. I've been serving the Lord for about 30, 35 years now. I turned 45 yesterday. I know I don't look it. Now I look 25. It's fine. It's cool. I'm 45. And I've become less and less impressed with the power moments. And I've, I've grown. I've had more and more respect for the consistent everyday moments. I've seen people blow in and blow out. I've seen powerful stuff come, and I've seen powerful stuff go. But the consistency... But I see over and over and over in someone's life, I'm like, I could follow that. I woke up every day in my teenage life. I go into the kitchen, and there would be my dad reading his Bible and praying. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't. He was, he was a carpenter, my dad. Carpenter. But you could guarantee he's going to be reading his Bible, and he's going to be praying. My dad still texts me, son, I'm proud of you. Praying for you every day. I'm praying for your kids and your family every day. And I guarantee you, he is. What legacy are we gonna leave to our children and our spiritual children? I want you to always remember this. What one generation does in moderation, the next will do in excess. What you make a big deal about the next generation will make a big deal about. What you make optional, they will make obsolete. There is a reason why when you look from the baby boomers to the Gen Xers to Gen Y to Gen Z, where we are now, all that, that each one we see a a major jump down decline in attendance and engagement in church and involved. Why? Because what first became important turn to optional, that turn towards obsolete. Each one, it's important. Now, I'm not just saying it's all about church. That's not what, I'm talking about being faithful to God. But I will not not apologize. One way to be faithful to God and make sure your kids grow up in a powerful environment and become everything they need to be is be in the house of God. And I don't say that for me. I say that for you and for us. And you're in the house of God. You're in it right now. But, but why all this, Pastor Jay? Why, why all this? Here, here, here's the thing we keep coming back to. God wants to trust us with the unexpected. He wants to hand us some of the, the little unexpected so one day we know how to handle the big unexpected. It says in Luke 16:11, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What's true riches? The favor of God. in Powerful influence in a community. True riches of God. How about this? The anointing and the power and the presence of God important that we steward it well, that we steward it well, that we're faithful with the little. So God will give us authority over much. I want to share one last thought with you guys and I'll let you go. Something I've thought a lot about over the months, I've journaled it, I've prayed about it. It may seem simple to some, but some of us is going to catch this. 2020 has been a year like none other. If I would have told you, hey, this year there's going to be a global pandemic, you'd be like, wow, that's a big deal. If I was to tell you, hey, this year, um, there's going to be racial unrest all throughout the, through the world, not just here, you'd be like, wow, that's a trying year. If, if I would tell you, that, hey, it's, gonna, it's an election year, it's going to be contested, and it's going to be dividing, as bad divided as we've seen it in our lifetimes, you would say, wow, that's going to be a difficult year. Then you put all of that together, and that was our year. It's been crazy. You, you can't make a decision without making a whole bunch of people mad. I mean, it just is what it is. And here we are navigating. And here's this, this, the, the worst part. About it. It's the body of Christ that's mad at each other all the time, fussing at each other, ticked off at people. People are nervous on to post something because somebody might go off on them. And here we are in the middle of this curveball that none of us asked for. None of us really would have asked to be a part of this. Here's the thought. Is it possible that God in all of his wisdom He could have placed us in any time in history. But he trusts us with this moment. He trusts us. He trusts you with your family, Dad, that you're going to talk to him about what's really going on, what spiritually is going on. There's a spirit of division and divisiveness that's masked in all this other stuff. No pun intended. Is it possible that he trusts us as a church? That we're going to do whatever it takes to find a way to move forward and to bring his kingdom. God is not on the reactive. He's proactive. He's moving in the midst of this. And he trusts us with such a time. as.